this morning. As we celebrate, I want to take one aspect of, of Christmas and just talk about it as a theme this morning. And that's the idea that God gave Jesus Christ as a gift. The greatest gift that we will ever receive. The greatest gift that, that has the most impact that changed the world. But a gift to us. A gift that is completely undeserved. Unearned. That we can do nothing for. But a gift of God to us. Gifts are interesting things at Christmas, aren't they? When we think of giving gifts to each other, hopefully it's because God gave the gift of His Son. But it can be challenging. We had the Iwana store this last week. And, and I remember I was up there watching some of the kids get gifts. And these are young ones that are just learning the idea about giving gifts. And so one, one little boy was like, I'm going to get a gift from my mom. And he went over and picked a toy that he wanted. <laughs> this is for mom. Now we laugh, but guys, it's sort of like getting your wife power tools. We know who it's for. Gift gifting can be a challenging thing. For little ones, we can excuse it, but it's hard. It's hard to know what our spouse wants, what our husband wants, what our wife wants. It's sort of the idea when they're opening on Christmas morning, you sort of know if you did well or not, don't you? You know pretty quickly. If there's tears, that's actually usually a good thing. That's like, yes. Huh. Phew. <laughs> if there's... This blank look and maybe a little grimace? Not a good thing. Eh, wrong choice. But what's amazing, what we, where we want to go this morning, is okay, how, how can we make better choices and gifts? And I'm not talking to each other. I'm not talking to family. I, I don't want to teach kids how to, well, we can, but teach, not this morning, teach kids how to give better gifts to mom and dad, teach spouses how to give better gifts to each other. But, but broaden our thinking to say, as God gave Jesus, as God gave His Son, what difference does that make to how we give to, to others outside of our normal circle? Is there a purpose there that we're to copy? When, when Christ says, have this same mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When Christ says, you are my ambassadors, my representatives, what does that mean for us? See, the nature of the gift of Christ wasn't a power tool, wasn't jewelry. It was something that would save a life. It was something that would rescue those that believe on Jesus Christ from an eternity in hell and bring them into heaven. That's the nature of the gift. And that's the same gift that we give, that we offer when we consider how did Jesus give. We're in the middle of simple Christmas, and this next week is when it really kicks in to think, okay, how can we give like Jesus? And our tagline is making time to give like Jesus. And last week, as we talked about the temple and the clearing of the temple, we saw Jesus clearing out things that were interrupting worship, clearing out things that were interrupting outreach. But today, this morning, we want to answer the question, if we're to give like Jesus, how did Jesus give? How did Jesus give? It's a great thing to say, but if we never think about the nature of Christ's gift, then it doesn't make any difference for us. He gave His life. He gave us life. But as we go through our service and worship this morning, I want to hit four ways that Jesus gave. Four things that then should affect 
our purpose of giving the gospel and of, of sharing Christ with others. The first one, I'm going to need actually some kids to help me out. Do I have two or three kids? Okay, come on up. A couple more. A hand there, come on up. And one more, come on up. Okay. You guys ready for me? And if, if you're not chosen, get ready to raise your hand again because we have four things and I'm going to need two or three kids for each one. Okay. You guys like gifts? Yes. Yeah? But, but we're talking about better gifts, right? Gift of Jesus Christ that God gave us. Let's see what we have. Okay, let's do this one. Can you guys open this for me, please? Just tear it open. I don't want to see saving of paper. Well, maybe that's his calling. And a calendar. Okay. I'll take that. If no, 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 no. Okay. These gifts. Nice, nice. Okay. We, we have a calendar and a phone. Why do you think I have a phone in there? So you can call. So we can call people. and A calendar. Do phones have calendars in them now? No. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Happy. <laughs> no, that that's that's one of the pastors here, Andrew Gilmore. He's helping me out a little bit. See, some people don't know what this is anymore. This is called this is a calendar, but a lot of people do their scheduling on this, right? But some people do planning on this and, and write out a family calendar. Do you guys have a family calendar? This is better. This is better. Yeah, that's what a lot of people think nowadays. Here's the first way that Jesus gave that we're going to talk about before I have you go sit down. Jesus gave intentionally. Intentionally. He planned to give. Do you know that Christmas was not an accident? No. I mean, do you know God was created? He was born in that day? He was born that day? Do you think it was an accident that He was born that day? No. No, because God planned every detail, didn't He? Okay, you guys can sit down. Thank you. But who? God planned it and He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. So a calendar and a calendar on a phone. First way, oh boy. First way that Jesus gave was intentionally. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I want to take one of the little snippets of the Christmas story and, and we'll see several of the things we're talking about here, but also throughout the, the entirety of the Bible. We see, okay, how did Jesus give? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So a familiar scene, a familiar story, and we're focusing in on Joseph here. Joseph was the man. When you think of the integrity that this man had, the courage that this man had, the obedience that this man had, I, I love studying Joseph. But he finds out news that Mary, who he's engaged to, is pregnant. And for, for a, a man that's engaged to a woman to find out that she's pregnant and it wasn't from you can be devastating. But then we read on, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We'll stop there. Because when we first come onto the scene, we see God's intentional planning. The virgin birth. Mary is, is with child from the Holy Spirit. Part of the virgin birth is that this is God Himself saying, now is the time for My Son to come. It's a divine plan. This isn't just some random baby that's chosen. And okay, well, hey, there's someone that's pregnant. Let's, let's, let's make that the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is intervening in time. And God is saying, now is the time that I have planned now the cast of characters that I have orchestrated, the history that I have brought to be is the perfect time for the servant Savior to come onto the scene. And the Holy Spirit impregnates Mary. And we see Jesus as an infant about to be born. Fully God, fully man. But it was intentional. It was not by accident. And we see that right from the start. We see the angel coming to Joseph, in many ways rescuing Mary. The, the rescue mission starts right there, and he's, he's rescuing Mary by, by telling Joseph what's going on, and Joseph obeys our Lord and Savior. But it's interesting to me when I think of the calendar, when I think of the phone, when I think of God's intentionality, sometimes I go back and ask the question, why? Why be so intentional? Why care about a people who are in rebellion to you? Why does it matter? In John 3.16, another familiar verse that sometimes can be so familiar that we forget the power of the message in that verse. For God so loved the world that He gave. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, for God to be intentional, He is deliberately acting in love. And what makes that love so much more amazing is the fact that it's unearned love. It's nothing that we've done. Sometimes, usually when we give gifts at Christmas, it's sort of this co-thing, right? The worst thing in the world is to give a gift to somebody or, or to receive a gift from somebody that you forgot all about. Like, oh no. They, they weren't even on my radar. Because it, we expect that there's this co-giving of gifts, that there's some sort of relationship. In God's intentionality and His love, there is no co-giving of gifts. We have nothing to offer Him. And that's what makes the gift so incredible. That's why we worship Him. Because Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in sin, He intervened and intentionally changed everything. He gave, despite the people's feelings, our feelings toward Him, He gave to people that needed life. That needed life. When we think of simple Christmas and how we give like Jesus, first thing that we need to remember is that Jesus gave intentionally. He gave to give life. He gave to people that needed life, not to people that liked Him. 
And so when we think of how we're going to spend time this week, part of what should go through our head is, who needs Christ? Who needs Christ? Yes, we should still give to family and and show love in that way. But simple Christmas is about freeing up time to say, okay, who needs the Gospel? Who needs to know that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would have eternal life? And then we start to plan it out. I know I'm not alone to know that the calendar can fill up really fast, can't it? Chances are your December calendar and January calendar and maybe your February calendar is feeling pretty full. But if we're to give like Jesus, we need to be intentional about who we give to, those that need Christ, and about making time to give. Those people that need Christ need Him now. Need Him now. So I urge you to make time in your schedule. Jesus gave intentionally. Second way Jesus gave, I need a few more kids. Now we'll get more volunteers. (laughs) Okay, we have a couple there. Come on up. And one there. Come on up. Which one should we do? How about that one? <laughs> I, that was a good choice. I understand that. We're going to save that one for last, okay? Okay, you guys want to open this one? Okay. What do we have? The mug used to be in the box. I'll take the box back. Okay, that works. <laughs> this is just some of the fun of Christmas. Look like your living room on Christmas morning. Okay, we have a couple things. What do we have, guys? A game? Do you know what it is? Do you want to hear what it does? It's Star Wars something, huh? It's Star Wars Trouble. Do you want to hear what it does? There's a reason for this. Okay, and what do you have? A mug. You have a mug, okay. The second way that Jesus gave is He gave personally. Now you might wonder, okay, what what does that mean? But He gave personally in that He came and, and He became like us. It's called the incarnation. Can you guys say that? Incarnation. What that means is God became flesh. God became a baby. And you guys know that, right? But think about this. Jesus was your size one time. Have you thought about that? Jesus was your age. Jesus was your age one time. Jesus was your age one time. And you know what? He liked to do what little boys like to do. What do little boys like to do? (laughs) (laughs) Let me have that one. Little boys like to play. Little boys like to do boy things. And Jesus came as a baby with everything that that involved. And he, he became a boy. He learned. He studied God's Word. He memorized God's Word. And we know that he grew in his, his relationship with God and his relationship with other people. Reason I have trouble. This is a game that my kids like to play. And if I'm to get, be in relationship with my kids... Chances are I'm not going to say, hey, Alicia, do you want to play chess with me? 
because the pieces would just go everywhere and we'd end up with little chess pieces and the little dolly bassinets and everything else. It's not what she plays. But you know, this is a game that my kids have and we all played this together the other night. And so it's coming down and saying, what do they, how can I be in relationship with them? What do they want? The mug I have for adults, because adults may not play a lot of, of Star Wars trouble, but maybe we go to coffee with each other and we give personally that way and build relationships. Okay, you guys can sit down. Thanks. Jesus gave personally. So we read on in Matthew 1. Still keep your finger there. Matthew 1, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And think about that verse for a minute. And last year we talked about why the incarnation and we talked about why God had to be 100% man and and why Jesus was 100% God and man. But think about the word God with us. The words God with us. It wasn't that God just kept from afar and said, I love these people. I'm going to give my gift, but I'm not going to get all that involved. There's not much more involved than a baby that needs to be fed, that needs diapers changed, that needs to be put down to sleep, that needs to be taken care of. And Jesus came vulnerably. He came personally. He came as one of us, we know from Hebrews, so that He could experience what we experience, so He could relate with us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, another verse that talks about God being with us. With us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. He was born as a baby and dwelt among us. The word for dwelt means to tabernacle among, among you. And it was the word that they used for tabernacle, which was the presence of God with them in camp. And to tabernacle or to to pitch a tent among you. Anyone camp here? The imagery is if you're camping and you're all together and, and Jesus pitches His tent right in the middle with all the other tents, lives with us, is one of us. The thing about tent camping is there, there's just not a lot of secrets in tent camping. We used to, when I would take the group to Yugo, we would, we would sleep in tents. And I would stay up and just walk around the tents quietly where they couldn't hear me. And I'd just stop by each tent and listen. Actually, I realized after a while, all I had to do was sit in a chair in the middle of camp and I could hear every tent (laughs) and every conversation. Sometimes, you know, maybe a conversation was getting to some complaining or whatever. And I'd just walk over the tent and say, you know what, I can hear every word you're saying. It's amazing the effect that that had. We were living life together. No secrets. And, and that's the imagery when God says the Word became flesh, the incarnation, and dwelt among us. It wasn't just that He became a baby, but that He lived the same life we live. He lived with other human beings. His gift was personal in nature. Was intimate in nature. He identified with us. With everything we go through. 
Some psychologists have said that the most traumatic human experience other than death is birth. Not sure how they came up with that. But Jesus did both. Jesus did both. One author wrote, In the gift of Christmas, the unassailable, omnipotent God became a baby, giving us the ultimate example of letting our defenses down. See, Jesus came, as Martin Luther said, deep in the flesh to be one of us, to restore relationship, to rescue us. Because we had turned our backs on God and we do every time we sin, we turn our backs on God. And so God said, I am going to come in the flesh and I'm going to dwell among them and I am going to rescue them. C.S. Lewis, a little bit longer quote, but he's talking about investing and being personal in people from his book, The Four Loves. There is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. An interesting take from Lewis on what it means to be vulnerable and what it means to love. And we see Jesus, God Himself, God incarnate, that says, I am going to walk with them. And I'm going to love them. And I'm going to have relatives that die. And I'm going to have friends that get sick. And I'm going to build my life into these 12 men, even though one of them is going to stab me in the back. And I'm going to pour my love into them, even though most of them will die a martyr's death. And He invested His gift personally. When I think of how we give, how are we to follow God's example? We're to give intentionally, to reach out to those that need Christ, to make time intentionally, but we're to give personally. See, if we're to reach the world for Christ, we're not going to do it from afar. We're going to do it through relationships. We're going to do it by talking with our neighbors and remembering what they shared and coming back the next week and saying, how's that going? We're going to do it by when our neighbors share something difficult, stopping and whether they're believers or not, saying as respectfully as we can, is it okay if I pray for you? Is it okay if I pray for you? And praying for them. In the simple Christmas packet, there's all kinds of ideas for how to reach out to our communities, how to make a difference to those around us. But we need to get involved. And it's messy. It can hurt. It takes time. But the purpose is to bring the good news of the Gospel to a world that needs Him. I have the mug because a mug to me represents having coffee with someone and talking and taking time and sharing God's love with them. I pray that that's how we give. That we realize how deep the Father's love is for us. How vast beyond all measure. And that love made Him intentional about rescuing us and arranging all the events to rescue us. 
And that love drove Him to be a baby, a child, instead of coming as a man to be with us, to tabernacle, to tent with us, to play trouble with us because that's all we could do and we couldn't understand what He is about. To reach us, to rescue us. His power and glory evermore proclaim. We know that that power and glory and that love we sang about led Him to give intentionally, led Him to give personally, But the power and the glory brings us to our our third way of giving. And I need a a couple more kids. Let's get some from this side. Okay, come on down. Jason, come on down. Do you want to come, Naomi? We're going to do this one. Okay? You guys want to open this one? Okay, you want to open it together? Go ahead and open it. <laughs> it's not Pampered Chef. Oh. <laughs> still good. It's <laughs> still good. Thanks for saving me on that one. <laughs> what do you think? You want a gift like this? What might... <laughs> no. What might this have to do with how Jesus gives? I don't know. You don't know? Can this you think of anyone? Power. Gives us power. He gives, why did He come? To give us life, right? Think about what happens if you get a toy for Christmas and two hours later the batteries are dead. How, how, how useful is that toy? Not that useful. Not that useful. Not that fun anymore, right? Goes in the corner unless you get batteries. Batteries give life. A couple of other things about batteries. Batteries are sort of going the extra mile on a gift. It's one thing to give a gift, and, and I, you can just imagine a child opening up a gift at Christmas, and you're like, yes, a remote-controlled car, and I have no way to use it. little thing says, charge for 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Third way that Jesus gives, though, let me tie this in, is He gives abundantly. He gives abundantly. He gives fully in a life-changing way. He gives completely. And both from the side of He gives life. And without Him, there is no life. Without Christ, we are, we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. And, and He comes onto the scene when we have no hope and He offers salvation and He offers life. He offers the only solution. He is the only way. The only truth. The only life. And so He gives abundantly. Verse 21, and both of the next two points are out of verse 21, a key verse in Matthew chapter 1. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The purpose from the start, the purpose from the manger, the purpose from before the manger is to save his people from their sins, to bring life. To bring life, to bring a rescue that we cannot do on our own. But in John 10.10, a little bit later, Jesus says this, I came that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. And this is the good news of Christmas. is It's not just Jesus and God. Jesus is God. It's not just God doing the least amount He can to rescue those, those strange people that have rebelled on earth. 
Well, I'm going to do the minimum. You know when you get a gift that's the minimum, don't you? It's like, oh, I bet that they just remembered that Christmas morning. Or went out shopping Christmas Eve. Which no one has ever done. But that's not the way Jesus gave. He says, I gave, I came that they may have life, and not just life, but have it abundantly. That word there means extraordinarily. It means remarkable, to the full extent, abundant. What a picture of life with Christ. It's not just about being rescued that we're, we can, we can spend eternity in heaven and being rescued from a life of, of, in hell. It's about an abundant life that God wants to come and walk with us now. And He's not talking about riches. He's not talking about health. He's talking about the joy and the peace of having Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Having a relationship with Him. There is no more abundant life. There is no more abundant life than the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, the Comforter, dwelling in us and saying, you are my son. You are my daughter. And I'm here. You are not alone. And so when we read, she will bear a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is giving life and he's giving abundantly. He's giving generously. I chose a big thing of batteries. Generously. Abundantly. 1 John 4, verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so, when the angels are talking to the shepherds and they say, fear not, for I behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. They meant it. This was good news. This was great news. Jesus came to give life and to give it abundantly. And we see that through His ministry as He touches people. As He meets physical needs and He heals the sick and He, he helps the blind to see and, and those that are mute to be able to speak, and the demon-possessed are, are healed, and the demons are cast out. But all for the purpose of bringing them the good news of the Gospel. And He came to give abundantly. Last one. Last way that Jesus gave. I need a few more kids to help out. There's one over there. Come with people that haven't come before. One over here. Come on, Linda. Come on down. Mark, come on down too. It's a big box. We got a bunch. This is awesome. Let me set this right here. Tear it open. What's there? Just a manger? With a cross in it. With a cross? Do you know that this is the greatest gift ever? 
that Jesus came as a baby and they put him in a manger. Do you know that? They, they, he was born out where the animals were. And so they had a manger filled with, with straw and hay and they put him in some, some cloths and they laid him in the manger. That's where Jesus was born. Is that the best place to be born? No. No, no I bet none of you were born in a manger, were you? <laughs> no. It's not where I would plan it. It's not where we planned it for you and I bet that's not where your, your parents planned it for you guys. But that's where Jesus was born. Because the fourth way that Jesus gave is he gave sacrificially. Now, you guys may not know what that means. Sacrificially, but it means he gave of himself. He was willing to give up some of the the nice things in life to bring salvation to us. What does this represent? The cross. Remember, Jesus, when he came as a baby, this was his purpose, right? The ultimate sacrifice. Why did Jesus die on the cross? To save our sins, that's right. You were going to say that? It's a good answer. He died on the cross to save our sins. Do you think it was fun to die on the cross? No. It was the worst thing ever. But he did it because he wanted to rescue us and save us from our sins. You guys can sit down. Thank you. The manger and the cross. I strongly believe that the two can never be separated. At Christmas, we talk about both. On Easter, we talk about both. Because the two are all part of one plan. One plan that God had from the beginning to rescue us. And the fourth way that Jesus gave that then we're to be an example of to others is He gave sacrificially. He knew He was coming to die. In Mark 10.45, verse that we just studied a couple weeks ago, says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. It's a purpose statement. When you think of a purpose statement, that's a statement that says why the event happened. It's why the, the virgin birth happened. It's why Christmas happened. It was so that He could give His life as a ransom for many. And so He gave sacrificially knowing that his life would end at the cross, knowing that it wasn't just the death on the cross, but it was becoming a ransom for many, becoming sin for us. And I, don't, I can't grasp how that works, that the God of the universe can hang on the cross and bear the sins of the world. But he did. He did. And he gave sacrificially of himself. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or a thing to be held onto, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Did you catch what it's saying? It's saying that Jesus Christ, who is God, did not count equality with God or staying in the glories of heaven as something that he had to cling to. But rather, he emptied himself, he humbled himself, he sacrificed and left the glories of heaven to become a helpless little child. What an incredible gift! How did Jesus give? He gave sacrificially. 
He emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The manger, the cross. We know from countless other passages that he gave his life for those that believe on him. Ephesians 5, 25, 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. He gave himself up for the church. Jesus knew that the incarnation was not going to end in anything other than the cross. And he chose to anyway. He chose to go down that path because to go down that path was to rescue a people that He loved. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. He's not talking about money there. He's saying that God in heaven, in the glories of heaven, would be considered rich in glory and and in all that that involved. But for our sake, because we are poor, because we have sinned, because we have no way, no way of saving ourselves, He became a man, a baby. And Christmas happened. And He became poor. So that you, by His poverty, might become rich. That brings us back to Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And when we think of how Jesus gave, we end up sacrificially with the manger and the cross. And the story of Christmas is a God who, who planned things and intentionally in His sovereignty came on a rescue mission and came personally to build a relationship with us to offer us abundant, full life that we can't have on our own. And He did it by means of the cross. And this Christmas, this Christmas as we consider how Jesus gave, I urge you, if you have never come to that relationship with Christ, that this morning is the time. Because Christmas is about realizing there is nothing I can do on my own. I have offended an infinite God. I deserve death. I deserve a punishment for that. But God loved me so much that He was willing to tent among us. Willing to sacrifice on the cross. In my place. In my place to be the propitiation that that stood there or that, that hung there on that cross and took the wrath of God that should have been directed at me and paid that price so that if I have faith in Him and if I believe on Him, I am clean before God because of the blood of Christ. That is how Jesus gave. And the most amazing gift you could ever receive. I'd like to bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. And this morning, if you've never thought about 
Christmas, why Jesus came, how he gave. If you've never thought about that, we need the cross. We need his payment for our sins. And you want to give your life to God and say, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that's why you came. I believe that's why we celebrate Christmas. And I want to follow you with my life. Then just take a moment and tell God that. Say something like, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve nothing from you. I deserve no gift from you. But you still gave your son. And he took my place on that cross. And he took the penalty for my sins, the punishment that I deserved. And so, Lord, I now give my life to you. I believe you. I trust you. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that this morning, right now, there is a celebration going on in heaven because people have found abundant life that Jesus wants to give. So the question we leave with today is, what are we going to do with that gift? What are we going to do with the greatest gift that God has ever given us in the manger and in the cross? A gift that changes our life forever, that gives us life abundantly. That's where we come back to giving like Jesus. Because he didn't intend for us to just take salvation and take the gospel and say, yes, I'm saved and that's it. We're good. No, he said things like, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. He said things like, you are my ambassadors. You are my representatives, literally in my place, showing me to people. The passage that we read out of Philippians 2 about him emptying himself, coming as a baby, dying on the cross, it starts by saying, have this same mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he gives an example that we're to follow. And so as we end with just one or two more songs, we end by saying, what are we going to do with the good news? What are we going to do with the gospel? How are we going to give like Jesus? Will we be intentional? Will we be personal and get involved with people's lives? Will we give abundantly because it's good news, it's great news, it's fantastic news? Will we give sacrificially? Willing to to get rid of some other things in our schedule so that way maybe someone will hear about Jesus this year. Maybe a hurting person at Village will be ministered to because we took time to pray with them. Maybe a need will be met because we dropped off a bag of groceries. Those are incredible gifts that beat trouble and beat batteries and beat everything else. Let's give like Jesus gave this year. I can't wait to come together next week and hear what God has done through the people at Village. Let's bow our heads and end with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that we can sing, that we can shout, Christ is come and it changes everything because you came and you brought life. And Lord, you brought it abundantly and you still indwell us. And you still empower us to live for you. Lord, we praise you and thank you for that, for your love, for your care. Lord, now as we go to lunch, we thank you for so much that you've provided all year and each of the families here. Good times, hard times, but Lord, you are faithful. 
You have been faithful. You will continue to be faithful. And so, Lord, bless our time of fellowship now as we eat together, as we proclaim Your love. Lord, most importantly, thank You for the gift of Your Son. May we share that with others and give like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.